Are you looking for the spot to kick back, relax, and talk all things Southern Miss? Well, you're in the right place. No need for the calculator here, Poindexter. We're average Joes who are passionate fans. This is for Southern Miss fans by Southern Miss fans. Welcome to the Everyday Eagles Podcast. Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome to this episode of the Everyday Eagles podcast. We're excited to talk about some uh, more Southern Miss greats. Uh, but first, I want to introduce you to that lovable co-host of mine, Mr. Lane Brady. What's up, Lane? What's up, Chuck? All you listeners out there, I mentioned last on the last episode with Tracy Lampley, I was going to play golf. <laughs> right, Chuck? Yes, you did. Dude, I got my butt kicked so bad. By my, uh, me and some friends, a good, a good time was had by everybody, but I shot probably the worst I've shot in two years. It was really bad. Was it the putt-putt golf or are you playing at a real, real place? It was a real golf course. We went to okay. Collins, the Oklahoma Golf Club out there. Nice. Yeah, it was actually a really good value for how good the mm-hmm. course was. Like the price was good. They're not paying me to say this. We should probably ask them for money after this. Right. But uh, plug for them. They, I was impressed with their course. It was really good for the money paid to play there. Another so, good golf course around here is come down to Purvis and check out uh, the Purvis golf course, man. Oh, yeah. I played out there a bunch. Yeah. Pine Creek. Yeah. I like yeah. that golf course. That's a good so, one. Yeah, man, we started back school today, so I've been in meetings all day. Oh, I'm kinda... man, you had to return back to work. I'm sorry, dude. Yeah, man, listeners, before we went before we went live, I was being a little chatterbox on here. I'm just excited to get to talk finally after sitting in meetings all day. So, well, I, I, we we got a we got a great guest. We're gonna take a little a little break from sports, and we want to kind of cover some of the. The creative art side of Southern Miss, and um, we got a musician on tonight, huh? We Chuck? do. We do. do. You play we a musical a, instrument, Chuck. I play the radio really well, but that's about it. Oh man, yeah. So I, I have no musical talent in me whatsoever. So, like when we went, when we went over spring break and like Christmas break and all this past year, uh, we have a piano at my house, but nobody knows how to play it. It's been a hand me down from my grandfather mm-hmm. and I decided I'm going to learn how to play the piano. And now that I've decided maybe the next break, I'll actually do it. I made up well, my mind. I wanted to do it. So that's half the battle, right? Right. That's half the battle. And if you can catch this guy, uh, not going to Nashville or LA or spending time with his wife, he might, he might be able to show you a thing or two. Cause he's a talented, talented fella. But uh, we want to introduce Mr. Sean Chambliss, a.k.a. the DLX. What's up, Sean? Hey, 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 everybody. Sean, hey, everybody. good to have you on, buddy. Good to be here. I've been excited. Been a, uh, I've, I've caught a few episodes here and there, but uh, now I guess i got to get more invested uh, and become a, a card-carrying uh fan club member yes man we we have we have stickers we can send you we have all kind of stuff yeah uh absolutely if by send me you mean walk down to my house Chuck? Walk down, walk down to, we, i know and it's funny like i think i saw you more when you lived out in brooklyn man and you live in the same town as me now and i, I very rarely ever get to see you but i see your uh your relative in ramey's all the time and Chance. i think about you yes yeah. yes that's my that's my nephew he's about to start 
college on the 15th, which blows my mind. Ah. Yes. Chuck, so, go give that man a koozie and a t-shirt, man. I'll take I'll take a wood. I'll take a wood. Uh, well, hey, Sean, we're going to kick off, man, right into the questions, if that's cool with you. Uh, the first question, you know, we kind of ask the, all our guests these these uh, four or five uh, Southern Miss questions, what we call them. But why did you choose Southern Miss? Like, what, what made you decide to go to Southern Miss? Well, I like to answer this question honestly, and it was... It started out because they gave me the most money to go to school. That's um, a good reason. Yeah, I was planning on going to Ole Miss. I was visiting there. I was thinking about it. And um, they said, hey, you have to pick a major and we'll pay for most of your school. And about two weeks before I made the final decision, I visited Southern. And they said, hey, we'll give you money to come here. And I said, okay, that sounds better. That sounds a lot better. <laughs> So I did that and I, I fell in love with it. I was a little hesitant because I've grown up around Hattiesburg my entire life. And so for it to be this familiar place, I was like, ah, I know this place already. And then I get on campus and within the first month, I was like, no, this is this is different. This is special. And uh, I, I was glad that I got to go to Southern. Absolutely, man. We're glad you came to Southern, too. Um, what was, or do you have a favorite Southern Miss moment? And it could be sports related. It could be, you know, first time you played at Southern Miss, whatever. What's your favorite Southern Miss moment? Man, that's hard. Uh, I think every time I got to go to a USM football game as a student, that was a special time. And just thinking back, I'm like, I never, I get to go to games, but I never get to experience it like that as a student in the section with ridiculous people with just like painted bodies and all this stuff and just getting wrapped up in the school spirit that that existed there it was cool you're right man let that be a lesson you students enjoy it while you can because you don't get that feeling back mm-hmm. yeah. yeah it's a little weird to do all that now that i'm in my right. 30s <laughs> it was a lot more fun <laughs> when you were in college to go do all that at a ball game right so, not that not that we still don't do it, but you know, it was it's different. I mean, I still hey, go to games. Yeah. I just have more buttons on my shirt now. Right, exactly. Oh yeah, I'm gonna say now if the Pete if the Pete's dead now, I'll get up here and compete with a student to get that place rocking. It don't bother me one bit. They will. It, it is a little more weird to be a 30 year old doing it though. <laughs> uh, all right, Sean, I got two questions. We ask all our guests too. What was your major? Uh, I was human performance and recreation with an emphasis in kinesiotherapy. Oh man, I was oh, an HPR guy too. You know, now that I'm thinking about, it, I think we t- we took at least one class together. Your we, name looks so familiar. We probably did. Yours did too. Yeah, we probably did. I don't <laughs> no telling which one. I've had so many of those classes up there, but yeah, I was mm-hmm. in that. Now I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't in kinesiotherapy or anything. I wasn't. Uh, I did. I didn't take the uh, real, real, real smart kid route there. I took PE licensure, but mm-hmm. I was in the I was in the HPR building though, and it was I enjoyed my time there. It was a good experience. Oh yeah! Now somebody told me recently that HPR is not even in the same building, and it kind of made me sad. Yeah, they moved it. I think it's Joseph Green Hall now. It's uh actually called the School of Kinesiology. They changed the name for it. That's crazy. So, yeah, I'm still, you know, I'm still involved with that department and stuff. And so that's, 
that's what they that's what they changed it to so it's it's a really nice setup they've got over there it's a lot nicer than it used to be like the building's updated and all everything's new and shiny it looks good if you if you get a chance to go in there yeah absolutely although i'm gonna miss some of that grime and just oldness that lingered around the other building <laughs> that yeah, smell it's not very yeah. old now the buildings are in now uh all right so my next question is what are you doing now now i am uh i'm a singer songwriter i split time between uh here in hayesburg and nashville i run uh operations for gulf south productions uh we're a regional production company uh, based here in hattiesburg but we do everything from concerts weddings festivals uh i started a, a touring rental arm uh this year so i'm utilizing those connections in nashville to get gear on the road for some different touring acts and uh then i lead worship at one of the campuses of venture church very cool which campus are you at uh hunt club cool cool yeah i know uh i know pastor byron over there really well he's a good guy man absolutely great guy, great guy. um that's really cool, man. How's Nashville? You enjoy it over there? Yeah, I love it. It's uh it's kinda like a second home at this point. Um there's a lot of stuff to do. It's it's crazy how fast it's growing. Uh it's an anomaly though because it's so big. But people told me when I first started going, it's like the biggest small town. And I didn't understand what that what that meant until a few years in. Where I realize, oh, this town is huge, but everywhere I go, I bump into somebody I know. And a lot of times it's from people back home and stuff like that. So, yeah, I, I love it. Very cool. Very cool. Well, Sean, we fielded some uh, some listener questions. And the listeners, uh, they delivered again. We got a little different <laughs> twist on these. Uh, we were laughing about these before the show. But uh, the first one, or my first two, I'm asking, come from Matt Smith. Oh, good. Uh, yeah so he said uh is it true you cry all right so i'm just gonna say this by saying i'm literally asking what he said i'm not calling you this (laughs) but he said is it true you cried like a little baby boy during ain't going down till the sun comes up in baton rouge 100 percent true (laughs) like and so there needs to be a little backstory. Um, so Garth Brooks is probably one of the most influential people on me as a musician. Uh, I remember he played this central park show and they put it on TV and I recorded it on a VHS tape. And it was the first time I was like, Oh, I think I want to be a part of this. I don't know what that looks like yet, but like this is special. And I like the way that he's like making people feel with this music and I made my little brother watch that VHS tape with me all the time. And so we're sitting there at this concert and minutes before the show started, my little brother who I made watch that, that concert walks by with his wife. I hug them, take a picture, all that stuff. And then this song and going down to the sun comes up, which is probably the most influential song in my, like, in my writing in how I approach melodies and rhythms and different stuff like that. So that starts playing. I just had that experience with my younger brother and his wife. And then in the moment I look to my right and I see my wife and her family. And I just realized like, I have an incredible wife. I'm married to the love of my life. I have incredible in-laws who I love as like my second family. I just saw my brother. 
this is the most influential person in my music career. And I just got overwhelmed. I was like, Hey, thank you God for the life that you've given me. And so I bawled my eyes out and there's a picture of it. There is a picture of it. (laughs) Do we have permission to post it on the social media? (laughs) Absolutely. My, uh, my in-laws, my mother-in-law and father-in-law were trying to take this sweet picture with this giant crowd because it was like the second largest stadium show in U.S. history. And so they were taking this picture with the crowd behind them. And little did they know, uh, my wife is wooing at the top of her lungs and I am bawling my eyes out and they were scared to show it to me. And Jace showed it to me. I was like, no, no, no. I need them to send this to me. I would like to post this because this might be the best photo I've ever taken. (laughs) And that was a great concert. Was it not? It was incredible. Like, I don't know how a 60 year old man can engage 140 plus thousand people. Right. Like he did for what? An hour and a half, two hours. At least. Oh yeah. Garth Brooks is one of my all time favorites. He definitely, yeah, I love a lot of his music. I've never cried to his music, but I do love a lot of his songs. Well, you you haven't listened <laughs> well, you haven't to lived. the dance then, yeah. <laughs> I, don't know, I, guess, I guess I need to go see him live. I don't know. Yeah. So, oh, if you've never seen him live, I, I've never, I've been to so many concerts. I work, work so many concerts throughout the year, attend them, play them. I've never seen something like that live show. It was an anomaly that I, I told my wife after, I said, I'm, I'm kind of scared as to who could take his place because oh, yeah. the world needs that, that mm. experience. And I don't know who else can give it to him. I'll tell you three concerts I've never been to that I'd love to see would be Garth Brooks, Eric Church and Luke Combs. Mm. That's three. I, I would love to see at some point. So good. Quit. Well, I get, yeah, good question there, Matt. We, we dug a great story out of that one. So, the next one, and this one comes from Matt too. I'm assuming there's a backstory here too. How does it feel to be the forgotten Jonas brother? <laughs> so, are you indeed the forgotten Jonas brother? If you put us in a lineup, yes. Uh, my <laughs> wife, at one point when we were dating, photoshopped me next to all of them, and honestly, I look more alike than like Kevin does when you put them all together. Um, it's more Jonas than the Jonases do, don't you? Yeah, I I do. (laughs) And what's funny is there's a, there's a new show. If y'all haven't seen, it's called claim to fame. And the whole premise is Kevin Jonas and the bonus Jonas, whose name escapes me. And that's the irony's not lost on me there. Um, (laughs) they host this show for celebrity relatives. And the whole thing is they're hiding who they're related, who, what celebrity they're related to. And they're trying to, vote them out and like guess whose relative they are wow it's a really cool show my wife and i've watched it every monday it's a really cool show uh old brett Favre's daughter's on it Brittany. yeah uh, we my wife knows Brittany, and that's actually how she found out about the show is uh she found out through Brittany, and we've been watching it so yeah it's really entertaining we've enjoyed watching it but uh when i actually saw the fourth jonas brother i was like oh no i I belong in your family more than you do, sir. (laughs) No doubt. No doubt. Well, Chuck, you got a couple questions for him, too. uh, Some listener questions. So go ahead and take it away. All right. These come from Mr. Tyler Jackson. Um, He said, the first one is, out of all the songs you've written, which is your most favorite to play live and which is your least favorite to play live? Hmm. 
Uh, also, I love Tyler. Shout out Tyler. Um, my favorite song. Honestly, it changes it. I think it changes depending on like the season and where I'm at. Like right now, I'm really excited to play uh, just some new stuff that I've been writing. Uh, and then my least favorite is probably my first single off the first EP, Wake Me Up. It had like a little bit of a splash and uh, got a little bit of notoriety and, and got me some meetings, but I don't necessarily like it anymore. Uh <laughs> To the point that when we do play it live, I shift up the arrangement to where it sounds like a, a different song. I dig it. I did. Okay. Uh, next is if you could have any artist take you out on tour, who would it be? Ooh, um, if we're just going on music, actually, no, I take that back. If I could go on tour with anybody, just for the fun of it, I would want to go with Hardy, I think. Even though it doesn't okay. make any sense musically at all. I would just want to go hang out with that guy. That sounds also bad. I, 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 hey, that'd be a cool little concert gig. It would be something. I'd have to learn how to scream and get a little heavier to keep yeah, up with that guy. You would. All right. You, you kind of touched on this, but he said you couldn't use it as your uh, uh, your answer. He said, best live performance you've ever been to, and you can't say Garth Brooks because we all know you couldn't see him through your tears. Mm, that's true. Yeah. Uh, probably Rascal Flats. Uh, oh. I saw them at the Ascend Amphitheater in Nashville, and it was awesome because it was, I think it was the last tour that they did right before uh, COVID lockdowns. And it was all the hits. The They had this giant video wall that was a jukebox. And in between every song, the jukebox would just go on random, supposedly, mm-hmm. and it would land on another hit. And so the entire set was two hours of nothing but just their smash hits. It wow. was incredibly entertaining. It sounded great. Um, I was Jason and I were actually both blessed by some friends for some like uh, VIP tickets to that. So we got like a private acoustic show before the show. And then we got like a little box type seat thing. And yeah, it was, it was special. That is awesome, man. All right. His last question is what made you become a Ravens fan? So my older brother uh, knew he was into sports, knew he wanted to be a football coach since infanthood i guess i don't know and kind of tried to turn me into this freak athlete to the point where i was he had me running 40s i'm in like third grade we get off the bus he's making me run 40s he's just like drilling me with the football doing all this stuff to the point where i kind of lost interest and swore off football for a while until the 2000 super bowl and the family was watching it the Ravens were on and I was just blown away by the charisma of like Ray Lewis and Tony Saragusa and that defense that year. And I said, you know what? I picked them. I'm back into football and this is my team and have just stuck with them since, since then. Nice. I dig Sean, it. I'm a diehard Ravens fan myself. Let's go. <laughs> so yeah, man, Ravens flop, baby. We got to figure I, out uh, one more. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I'll tell you, I worked for them in 2011. And, and like I interned with them back then, I've been a diehard fan ever since. So there's not many of us down here. It's an honor to me. It's not. an honor to, 
be on the show with a fellow Raven. Absolutely. So, and I know your pain about going into like a local lids or sports store and being like, you have zero Ravens gear. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And then all your friends are Saints fans. Absolutely. And I got nothing against the Saints. I just, you know, I'm kind of the oddball every time we watch football. Go Cowboys. What's really uncomfortable (laughs) is uh, I'm pretty sure I get two tickets uh, from a season ticket holder I know to the Saints-Ravens game this year. And I don't know how to show up to a season ticket spot in a Ravens jersey appropriately. Oh. Mm. See, my wife's a Saints fan. We've gone to several Ravens-Saints games and... I mean, hey, we I just throw on the jersey and she throws on hers and we just we just walk right on through it. All so, right. Cool. It's not that big a deal. We're not like in the same division or anything. I feel like if you were a Falcons fan, that'd be bad. Oh, that's true. I feel like they're not gonna get that mad over Ravens. Yeah. All right. Well uh well Chuck, I guess is it time for our questions? Yeah, man, now? dive into them. All right, sorry, I didn't mean to hijack it, but my boys started talking about Ravens and <laughs> That's my cue, That's you know what I'm saying? Right. So, all right, Sean, uh, a couple questions here for you. I have the first one, and you touched on it a little bit with the Garth Brooks song, but when when was it that you decided you wanted to be a musician? There were, in high school, I, well, actually, it was in junior high, I started playing guitar with some, I found some friends who could help me play guitar. Uh, my parents bought me a guitar when I was in like sixth grade, but it hurt my fingers. So I sat down for like two years till I found some friends I could play with. And then I just really enjoyed that. And around high school, I made a band. Uh, it was called Static Parade. And it was looking back, it was garbage. But I thought <laughs> that we could do something with it. I was like, oh, this is cool. I want to do this. And then when I started college, that band broke up and I thought I was just going to go to PT school. Um, and so I've kind of had two different waves of, Oh, I'm going to do music. No, I'm not going to do music. No, nah, I'm going to do music. Cause around the tail end of my uh, bachelor's degree, I met some people and they were like, Hey, you, you should write a song. I started, uh, I'd never s- sung in my other band sung. Is that appropriate there? I think so. Yeah. yeah. I think um, so. So yeah, I didn't sing in my previous band and I started recording some covers on my iPad in college. A friend of mine heard it and he was like, Hey, record this song. Hey, do this song. Hey, do this. And just can encourage me and gave me different like challenges. And after about six months of doing that, I ran into a a new buddy who was a drummer. He said, Hey, let's play music together. And we started playing and then he spurred me on and said, Hey, you've got to bring songs to these rehearsals and then I'll just play drums to them, but you've got to write the songs. And after I think I wrote my first or second song for that, uh, that time period, I said, this is, this is what I want to do. I want to figure it out. And, uh, ran through different seasons of that, trying to be an artist and, and, really focusing on that and then getting exposed to the Nashville scene uh, and open my eyes up to the songwriter world uh, really lit a fire under me. So it's, it's a kind of a complicated answer. Uh, it's, it started when I was young and then it really hit me and I, I really started pursuing it as a career probably into college. Yeah. You met some other people with common interests and kind of sparked something. Yeah. That's really cool, man. Uh, that actually leads right into my next question here. Um, how do you go about writing your own music? I know you write songs and you're a songwriter and a singer. 
and and a musician uh how do you go about writing your own songs where's your inspiration comes from what's the process there how does that all happen man it's it's everything uh when i first started writing songs i was just doing it by myself so i was writing just coming up with it'd, it'd be the my most popular song on spotify is a song called uh i don't know idk and i was about to go to sleep one night it's about 10 30 and i just wake up and i was like what was the line uh i said something about like uh i used to be afraid of lions and tigers but now i'm afraid of heartaches and liars and that line was like oh i think that's a song so i jumped out of bed did that and that that method has shifted especially since going to nashville because nashville turns music for better and for worse into a business. So I get in a room with two, three other people and we're sitting down and we've come up with different words that we think are interesting, different concepts. Uh, I've started this thing in the past two or three months of looking at road signs when I'm going back and forth to Nashville. And I've discovered that so many country songs live on road signs. Um, (laughs) Like we're dry. I was driving, you know, the motel, the days in. Yeah. Yeah. So right now I'm working on this song. Uh, I saw that and I, I, I Googled it and I looked on Spotify. I said, I can't believe nobody's done this yet, but it's going to be, it's this song about being out on the road and, and staying out. Like you're touring, you're doing something, you're just working away from home and you're coming home. You're seeing all these road signs and you're looking forward to the days in. And then on that chorus, it flips and it's like the days in love, the days, uh, okay. summer days in June, uh, days inside tangled up with you, like this whole days in just, but that all came from a hotel name on a street side. So it's like everything can inspire a song. Wow. That's interesting. Uh, the next question is, so once you've written that song, okay, now how hard is it to sync music up with it or find the right pitch and the right rhythm of it and everything else? How hard is that process? Uh, I would say it's not hard at least to get some bare bones on it. Usually if I, um, if I'm writing a song, it kind of comes together. You learn to make mistakes when the more you're in music, the more you, you fear mistakes less. So I'll put down chords pretty much as soon as I'm writing the lyric, um, as soon as I get a chance and, I'm not afraid for that to be wrong. Like I can go in and take it to somebody else or like sit on it for a month and go back and be like, actually, you know, those chords are wrong. I need to shift this melody and I need to shift and do this. Um, but yeah, I would say at the very beginning it was difficult because I'd be able to play all these chords cause I learned to play guitar first. Um, but I didn't know how to match up lyrics to it. I was like, I don't know what are the rules for melody? What are this or that and the other? And, um, just after years of doing it, I realized there are no rules. There are, there are the common themes in like pop music and country music and uh, pop punk and different things like that. And it's good to know that, but in the end, they're just, there aren't rules. Yeah. Okay. So whenever you're writing the, the lyrics down, you kind of already hear the melody in your head and you, yeah, especially for tinker with it a little bit. Yeah. The lyrics, I can usually do a melody, the chords I'm not always certain on. Uh, and, now the past four or five years working in Nashville, I usually pair myself up with a producer who kind of their focus is on the music side. And so they might even come in with a 
a music idea as far as like chords, guitar, piano, whatever. And then I'm writing the lyrics and the melody on top of that. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Uh, so the next thing is what's the hardest part of pursuing a musical career? What's the hardest part you found in pursuing this career? It, it sucks that there is no direct pathway. Everybody's pathway looks different and that is the most freeing and frustrating thing at the same time is that you, <laughs> you know it can be done, but you don't like if, if I have a hit or uh, a placement or something that put on a TV show, I can't tell somebody else that this is the pathway that's going to work for them because theirs is probably going to look completely different. And that's so frustrating. But, yeah. You just, yeah. Yeah. You, you just like, I guess what what I'm catching from that is you just never know where your story is going to take you, you know. Yeah, it's a it's a numbers game. It's about uh getting in people in front of people, getting songs in front of people, um just rubbing elbows, taking people out for coffee, um going out to shows and, and saying hey and and making like when Jace, my wife and I will sit down and we'll kind of debrief or plan some of these trips. When I go to Nashville, a lot of times I'm taking meetings just so that they're familiar with my name. So that in three, four months, when they see a song come across their desk, they're like, Oh wait, I recognize that name. So it's such this long game that can get so frustrating and can beat you over the head and make you honestly just doubt yourself a whole lot. Um, it takes a lot of perseverance. I could imagine. Uh, all right. So now I kind of want to shift it to, uh, to live performances. Now, obviously, um, you know, we've been talking about getting your career, all, you know, going and, and pursuing that musical career and writing songs and all. Now I want to talk a little bit about when you're live on stage, tell me your first gig, your first live performance in front of people, can you tell me kind of where you were, what you were doing, what what event was it, what what was your first live performance? So my first live show at all was when I was playing lead guitar for that high school band at the Green Room, which was this like small bar that attached to a hotel in Hattiesburg. And then we had all of our friends show up and I was like, oh, this is cool. We're on top of the world. We're going to be the next Red Hot Chili Peppers. This is awesome. <laughs> um, and then my first performance as myself, as the DLX, was we had access to the Heisberg American Building downtown. One of my buddy's uh, dads uh, owned it. And I t we took a week. There was a, he had bought and destroyed a house or something for the lumber. And so there was a house, a full house worth of lumber in this room that we wanted to play the show in. And so for a week, me and three friends moved, literally moved a house. We moved wow. all of the wood from the house into a different part of the building so that we could come in, build a stage, build the PA. Like we did it completely DIY used all of mine and my friend's gear to, create this experience for the first DLX show to really make it like a night to remember. And it was really special. It was something that it's, it's interesting that I pursue and, and view the music industry in, in a different light now, but that is still something that I, I won't forget. It was a lot of work and I wouldn't necessarily recommend that everyone do it that way, but uh, it, it was a story for sure. 
What's the most nervous you've ever been live? Was it that like your first ever performance as the DLX or? Um, probably my most nervous I've ever been was giving my salutatorian speech in high school. <laughs> you get on stage and play in front of everybody that you didn't want to talk in front of. Absolutely. Well, that was before I really started performing out, and I that was my first big public speak speech speech thing. And I remember walking to the stairs and then I remember walking off the stage, but I cannot tell you a <laughs> second that happened during that speech. <laughs> I got you. Well, well, you talked earlier about Garth Brooks and how, you know, that kind of inspired you the way that his songs connected with people. I'm sure the feeling is really an indescribable feeling here, but could you do your best to describe I guess an indescribable feeling here. And what's the feeling like when you're on stage, you know, you're playing your music and you can tell the people in the audience are really feeling what you're, they're really feeling what you're putting out. You know, they're really feeling the music. What's that feeling like for you as a musician? It is the most rewarding feeling. Uh, there, there are two kind of types of it i think one is the people who are just there for you they love your songs or, or they just buy into your songs and you, you see them just smiling and raising their hands or clapping or something like that that's incredible another type of that feeling that sometimes is even more rewarding is when they're not paying attention to you at the beginning of your set and then by the end of your set they've moved closer they're starting to look at you i will never forget the small Honestly, the, the show didn't mean a lot. I think I was opening up for a, a friend's band that was passing through town as kind of a favor. It was a small acoustic show. And there were these three guys at the Thirsty Hippo. They were sitting at the bar, not paying any attention. I played two songs. They didn't even look my way. And then I go into this rendition of Swimming Pools by Kendrick Lamar that I uh, kind of made up uh, with just me and acoustic guitar. And it kind of gets really intense. And about halfway through the song, they all three of them perk up and they start looking towards me. And I was like, I got them. And by the end of the song, they were singing the <laughs> chorus. And then by the end of that, I was like, cool, they're here. And they, they pay attention to the rest of the set. They were there. They were trying to learn songs. Uh, they came by and bought merch after, but that winning over a crowd that is indifferent is there's nothing like it. Can you, do you remember what, I'm sure they all had their own unique feel to them, but what was the most, I guess, special live performance you've had so far? Like what, is there one that sticks out above all the other ones of whenever you were performing and it was just a, a huge moment for you? I think opening up for X Ambassadors at Mississippi State was uh, a big moment. Uh, it was my now wife, then girlfriend's favorite band. I was vaguely familiar with them just from some of their hits, but she said, no, you need to like dig into them. So I dug into them. I saw they were coming through Mississippi state and I reached out and I said, Hey, I want to open up for them. They hit me back. They said, cool. It's a great fit. Let's do it. And it was probably the biggest crowd. I think there was probably like 2000 people there. Um, and so it was really cool to see all that. But it was my first big show. Maybe not my first. I think Johnny Swim. Yeah, Jason and I were still were dating for Johnny Swim. But it was my biggest show because it was her favorite band. Everything that from the stage she was. Jace was working the the merch table. 
but I was able to look out and see her like dancing and singing. And that meant a lot on top of just all these people. And then to be opening up for this band that I had so much respect for and really had just developed this new fondness for, uh, it, it was something really cool. And it was my last big show before the lockdown stuff. Yeah. Very cool. Well, Chuck has some questions too. I'm going to turn the mic over to Chuck right here. Go ahead, Chuck. Take it away. All right, Shawnzy. Uh, first, let's, uh, for those people out there that don't know, tell us what the DLX means and how you got that name. So I wanted to create a thing that people could feel like they were a part of. So the DLX is not just me. It's like the people who are listening to the music. It's the people who are playing on stage. And I want to create a thing that was a reminder to people that they're special. They're important. They're deluxe. And so that's where the name started was deluxe. But it said as the individual layers, the DLX as just like this representation, I get real like deep and I guess meta or something with it. But that saying as the DLX, it's, a symbol to me, it doesn't matter how you're packaged, where you come from, what you believe in, what your socioeconomic status is, like you're important and you're special and you're loved way more than you know. And so even if it's just like three or four minutes of listening to the song about how you used to be bad at relationships or uh, this song about my parents or something like that, that we're all in this together. And that was special. That was important to me to say, even in just the name. That's awesome, man. That's a great message. Even, you know, those, those three little letters can mean a lot to somebody. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Well, you, you mentioned, you know, your, your mom and dad, you actually have a song about them. And I think you may have wrote a couple about Jace. Um, tell us about those songs and, you know, kind of where you got the inspiration for that. Yeah. So the, my song don't want to go. I was inspired by just, hearing my parents talk about how they met it was kind of happenstance my dad was working at this uh hotel bar on fisher's island new york and my mom was spending the summer there and to hear about how they met and how they he would because she stayed i believe in the house next door to the hotel and she would keep her window open and he would tell her good night while he was finishing up his like dj set uh for the evening and just hearing that inspired me to to write just a fun song there's not a whole lot of direct details about them i i honestly wasn't as good of a writer as i am now when i wrote that but it just for me it brings back those memories and uh helps me just kind of celebrate what they have uh as far as jace the last single i put out ilto i like this one uh was the song i wrote to propose to jace and Mm -hmm. so those were fun and while the easiest songs to write because i had like direct inspiration uh the most nerve-wracking songs to write because i I wanted to try and get them perfect no doubt Uh, so you used a song to propose yes so man what an advantage you musicians (laughs) have it is how awesome is that it's special uh all my friends were kind of mad because there's a video of it you can see on my instagram and stuff where I had the whole thing plotted out. Uh, it's kind of a story just going into the the proposal of I had the song planned out probably seven months before the proposal and had only sent Jace the version where it stopped before the bridge. So to her, it was the shorter pop song about guy meets girl, guy and girl fall in love. 
but the bridge talked about asking her mom for permission and like asking if she wants to share my last name. Like it was this whole thing. So she had never heard that. And so I had planned, Hey, I'm going to propose on this day. They were on vacation in Florida. And I said, I'm going to have this song and she'll hit play and she'll listen to it. Well, then a week before I realized, no, I need something visual. So I put together this slideshow of like videos and cell phone videos and stuff from all of our uh, years of dating prior to that moment. And the problem with that is I sat down the day before the proposal to do it. And as I sat down at nine o'clock at night, my power went out. Oh, nice. And it didn't come back on until about one in the morning. So I had to do as much as I could on a laptop battery, but I got it done. We got the video made. We got the song recorded and, uh, and she said, yes. So I, I got to win. Yes, you did. Uh, and you know, I think I love you, Sean. You're a great guy, but I think we all can agree that you outkicked your punk coverage when you married Jace. 1000%. Uh, and I think everybody would agree with it. What, what made you go after her, man? I, you're, you know, you're kind of a, a hopeless romantic. You, you wear your heart on your sleeve. You, you got love for everybody. What made Jace different? She was something. I don't, I didn't know how special she was when I first initiated contact. Um, I'd seen her on, oh, this is my favorite story. Uh, probably that I tell ever. Are you okay. familiar with Burt Kreischer? I'm not. I don't think so. Not so, Burt Kreischer is the stand up comedian guy. He's got this like trademark story called The Machine. You've probably seen it on Facebook or something. I'll send it to you later. This to me feels like my machine story. Okay. Um, so, I see Jace on Instagram. I'm like, wow, this girl is beautiful. Uh, she seems funny based on her captions and everything like that. I was like, oh, we got some mutual friends. So I start texting some people. I'm like, hey, what's the story on her? And the next day I'm sitting with my friend in his house with a roommate who I just kind of know. And my friend, he's like, hey, so tell me about this girl. I said, she's gorgeous. She seems funny. She seems clever. She goes to Mississippi State. Uh, she like has this blog. And the acquaintance who's also in the room, his head perks up. He said, what's her name? I said, oh, it's Jace. He said, that's my girlfriend. Oh, wow. Um, so <laughs> I quickly uh, threw away all of my feelings directly out the window and said, good job, bud. Boy, you backpedal fast. <laughs> Insert foot, man. <laughs> Absolutely. So I uh, was like, hey, I hope y'all are happy. Like, go for it. Good job. And about a year later, I see her on Instagram again, but I don't see photos of this guy. So I text my buddy who was in the room at the time. And I said, uh, Hey, or at the time of the initial interaction. And I said, uh, are they still dating? He's like, no, they, uh, they broke up months ago. So, uh, I was like, all right, cool. Just waited, uh, for the opportune moment and slid right into the DMS. Okay. And, uh, yeah, once I convinced her to actually go on a date with me, I was, it was the best, it was the first date that I always wanted and never knew that I wanted, like everything about it. Just, it went well. There was something special about it. I was like, I, I, yep. I, I, whatever I've got to do to make this happen again. That's awesome. That's great, man. She's, she seems like a great girl for sure. Top notch for sure. Uh, yes. Well, uh, is there a musician that you kind of model yourself after or that you kind of aspire to be like? 
Mm, I would say lately it's been more along the lines of like Ryan Tedder from the lead singer of One Republic uh, to see how they have made such an impact on culture and they they tie their stuff to like movies like they had the the theme song for the new top gun if y'all have seen that yeah great movie uh i cried in that movie too yeah. um apparently i cry more than i think <laughs> i do that's because you got a big heart man you got a huge heart that cry is warranted that's a great movie <laughs> it is a great movie i mean i didn't cry but i loved it i thought about it <laughs> Yeah, this is the most right. American movie I've seen in a while. In a while, for sure. Definitely. Um, but yeah, Ryan Tedder, like, he's a songwriter. He's he's written songs for Kelly Clarkson and Beyonce and Lady Gaga and been a part of Taylor Swift Records and stuff like that. But then he's still got One Republic. And then he's also making sure that One Republic is not only a powerful live band and entertaining on that front, but also tying them to uh to media like mm-hmm. top gun like uh i don't know you could probably list so many movies that their songs are in and that's a a new aspect of the industry that i've kind of discovered within the past year year and a half is uh making those relationships with like advertisements trailers movies and stuff like that and it was something that when i grew up thinking about playing in bands i never thought about but it's just mm-hmm. such an interesting part of mm-hmm. establishing legacy no doubt, man. Have you co-written or written any songs that we uh, may know of that you don't sing personally? Um, Likely not right now, but this year that answer might change. Uh, okay. There's a lot of stuff on the docket, uh, a lot of different artists who've kind of already confirmed to me on the side that they're going to start putting out some songs that I've written for them over the past couple years. Awesome. And so... It's shaping up to be an exciting uh, end of the year, beginning of next year. So that's cool. Oh, that's great, man. For sure. It, is there any instrument that you don't play that you wish you could play? <sighs> Not really. I wish I could play the instruments I do play better. But what are you talking about, man? You're talented, dude. Yeah, but there's there are levels to all this stuff. Yeah. And I can sit down and do something on the piano and then I can go and talk to a touring keys player or something. And he does it in the fifth of the time. Yeah. Okay. 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 Well, what kind of things were you involved with on campus at Southern Miss? I was involved in like intramurals and, was just social with a lot of different events. Like I was at all the like Friday night at the fountains, uh, when they were doing those, tried to get to all the games that, that I could, right. but I don't know that I was involved in many actual, uh, like clubs and different stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I started like the, this Bible study type thing one semester. Um, but mostly it was just like hanging out, going to class. I was really focused on grades, uh, and just kind of like that experience. I think I was so involved in high school with so many different clubs. Like I would start clubs if I could find a way to attach a field trip to them okay. in high school. Yeah. And so in college, I was like, let me just be in college and be involved with just whatever everybody else is doing. And so I didn't necessarily go out of my way. Sometimes I regret that, but I, 
I'm pretty happy with where life ended up. So uh, I was glad to just get to experience college. Yeah. Well, uh, how did COVID affect the music industry or you specifically? Uh, it affected everything, uh, from the production company I worked for. I mean, events and stuff were not happening. Uh, we all had to kind of stop getting paid for a while, uh, for, from live events. Uh, I was thankful to have some streaming revenue just come in from other music stuff and to have other streams of income, uh, coming in, but it was scary for a while. Uh, to have no events, to have no songwriter rounds, to even not be able to go. And because I just really started leaning into co-writing and songwriting for other people in Nashville. And I had to take off for seven, eight months before I could venture back up and just feel out Nashville and feel out our people writing together or like, what does this look like? Uh, so for me, it was kind of twofold figuring out this landscape that I was just really getting into. And then a main source of my income just being completely shut down because we had no events and really no read on how it was going to come back. If it was going to come back all at once, or if it was going to kind of trickle back in, uh, there was a lot of uncertainty there. Uh-huh. And I, I will say, you know, like when it, when COVID first kicked off, uh, you know, the movies were shut down, bowl, you couldn't go bowling, a lot of restaurants, indoor dining was shut down. But you started doing some uh, Facebook Lives. And uh, one that I remember the most, I think, meant the most to me and a lot of other people um, was the night you did the 90s country cover. And mm-hmm. you, you played just 90 country music for like an hour, hour and a half. And it meant the world to people, man. I don't know if you know that. I don't know if people told you that. But, uh, you should do more of those, man. I know that you're super busy, but we'd love to have another 90s, 90s country playback. Yeah, that was really fun. And it's something that that Jason and I have talked about even recently is a lot of people prior to that didn't even know how much I listened and enjoyed and loved country music right. because the DLX is a primarily a pop band. And so they didn't understand, like, not only am I writing country songs, but I grew up working on my aunt's farm, getting paid in Garth Brooks and Billy Ray Cyrus cassette tapes and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. And so, yeah, no, that's uh, definitely going to be more of a focus is uh, bringing stuff like that back. It might not be hour long format, stuff like that, but uh, definitely some, some covers and some, uh, some individual songs and, and stuff and just maybe popping in for a live, like one or two song type thing every once in a while. Uh, we'll definitely be making a resurgence here uh, shortly. For sure. We would love that, man. Absolutely. And and you're right. You kill some Garth Brooks and some Brooks and Dunn, man. And Clay Walker. Like, I was I was impressed. I appreciate that. That impressed. is a, a, a muscle I don't get to flex often. <laughs> well, uh, so what is... Um, Someone what Siri is, or Alexa wants to listen to Garth Brooks. Somebody else uh, <laughs> my watch going off. What... Uh, What's next? And do you have any concerts uh, planned around Hattiesburg coming up? Uh, Hattiesburg, not right now. I know August 26th or 27th, I'm playing a songwriter's round in Clinton, Mississippi at the Red Brick Roads Music Festival. Uh, They have a two night festival. It's like a Friday, Saturday and the Friday night they do uh, like a, if you've never been to a songwriter's round, it's usually four or five artists and you just kind of go down the line. Like everybody 
talks about a song, plays the song, goes down, and then works its way back down the line. Usually everybody plays four or five new songs, whether they've written it for themselves or for somebody else. And it's just kind of like, uh, if you've ever seen VH1 Storytellers, mm-hmm. it's kind of like that. Is that open to like the public, or do you have to have tickets? Or uh, I believe it's ticketed. Um, you can look at Red Brick Road. Actually, I can look. It's a Ardenland event. It is redbrickroads.com. Okay. And it's okay. a ticketed event. You can buy tickets for either Friday uh, or Saturday or both, I believe. Nice. Nice. Well, if y'all are in the Clinton area, listeners, go check them out and read them all on the DLX Sean Chambliss. Um, Absolutely. I'd love yeah. to see everybody and give people hugs and make new friends. Well, if you're into hugging. Some if people aren't into hugging anymore. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, uh, man, that's all the questions I have. Uh, we appreciate you coming on. Lane, you got anything, man? Did you want to ask uh, the DLX? Yeah, Sean, Sean, how can our listeners find – are you on, like, Apple Music? What all What all are you on? How can we find you and listen to you? I am anywhere you can find music, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube. You just type in T-H-E space D-L-X, and my stuff will come up. There's some British band who uh, – that might pop up, but they have less listeners and less followers. So just go for the pretty looking one. There you go. All right. Listeners, let's go, let's go bump up those listens for, for, sure. for our boy, Sean, man. I know I'm going to whenever, as soon as we get off this, let's go bump up those listens, man. Let's do it. Absolutely. Follow him on Facebook too, the DLX. Um, and guys, I'm going to tell you, Sean is probably one of the most humble, hardworking people I've known in real life. Like, uh, I know that for me personally, he's uh, come and saying to several of our hospice patients and he's always willing to uh, to go that extra step to help people if he can, if he's in town, if he's available. Um, so y'all do go like, follow, subscribe, all the things to to Sean. And is Jay still doing her blog, man? Is she? Yeah. So yeah. she's been killing it with uh, with the edit blog. She's got a podcast that we do called the edit podcast. And uh, we just had uh the girl who came in second on Joe Millionaire uh, last week. And so, uh, yeah, she's doing great taking on clients for media training and stuff. Okay. And so check out the edit as well. The edit, yes, check that out. Go like, subscribe. Me and uh, Lane may have to go listen to it, see if we can get some ideas. Yeah, uh-huh. no doubt. For real. Well, uh, again, thank you, Sean. Uh, y'all go follow the DLX on all the social medias and Spotify. I promise you, you will not regret it. Um, and we will catch y'all next time. And as always, Southern Miss to the top. To the top. top. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Everyday Eagles podcast for Southern Miss fans by Southern Miss fans. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit everydayeaglespodcast.com and follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Everyday Eagles Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time on the Everyday Eagles Podcast. Touchdown!